Douglas and the Bus, written and performed by Trevor Windsor. of not now is almost halfway along the B one, two, three, four and a quarter. Between the hamlet of Bin there and the small market town named Dundat. Of course it's more than halfway if you're travelling in the opposite direction. Across the road from the village bus stop is the lane leading to the little community of We There Yet. Douglas lived in the white cottage, set back from the verge You know, the one with the red tiled roof, green front door. That's it. Yes, that one. When Douglas got back from the army, he joined the post office. They gave him a bicycle and a leather satchel. And Douglas cycled every day to the sorting office in Dunlap, filled his satchel with the day's post and then delivered the mail. Forty years and Douglas retired. The post office let him keep the satchel and his big woolly coat. They asked for the bike back, though. Douglas took a part-time job as a porter in a hotel near Padstow. Three times a week, days or evenings, he filled a flask with coffee. Then he put that in the satchel with a packet of sandwiches. In his big woolly post office coat, worn in winter, folded over an arm in spring and summer, Douglas walked up the lane to the bus stop. Now, Douglas could drive a motor car, but he chose not to. The army taught him, but he wasn't very good at it. He didn't care for it, but he did care about buses. Douglas loved buses. Three times a week to Padstow, and twice a week to go for a pint in the British Legion in Dunlap. Douglas was always early for the bus, and it never occurred to him. He didn't notice, but others did. He always sat on the same bit of the bus stop bench. Every time. Douglas, in the fullness of time, got old. And then, older still. The hotel suggested, not unkindly, that perhaps he might like to retire properly, relive. You know, potter about in the garden. Which, of course, for Douglas, amounted to mowing the lawn. He didn't do gardening. No. He considered the idea and decided it was a good one. He pottered about in the garden, up the lane, and rides on his beloved buses. He supposed, after a while, a befuddled memory came with age, and also snoozing a lot. He must do, because he had no recollection of walking to the bus stop. But there he was. And he had no memory of the little brass plaque fixed to the top rail of the bench, the spot where he always waited for his bus. But there it was, and his name was engraved into it. He sat down in his usual place and waited, the satchel on his knees. He wondered what was in the sandwich. He couldn't remember making it. Presently, a young lady wearing posh and fancy outdoor clothes sat at the other end of the bench. She looked rather pale, thought Douglas. They turned to each other and he nodded a hello. She, in turn, gave him a short wave of one hand. Then the girl frowned and pointed at the bus stop entrance. With her other hand, after you, Douglas, she said. 
Um, how do you... He didn't finish the question. Turning to the road, he saw that there was a double-decker bus next to the curb. How? How did it... He didn't finish the thought. The doors of the bus opened. A tall chap, dressed as a bus conductor, complete with a ticket machine, stepped onto the pavement. Silently, he held out one hand by way of invitation onto the bus. Douglas, after you, repeated the girl. That is not my bus, thought Douglas. Mine is green and red, with 52 above the driver's windscreen. This one is bright white, not a speck of mud. And, and, in bold black letters, GBT in the little window. Oh, and the conductor's uniform is white also. That's odd. He shook his head at the girl. No, thank you. I'll wait for mine. My bus. She shrugged an OK and stepped past the conductor onto the bus. He pointed at the timetable fixed to the wall. 54 to Padstow. I'll wait for my bus. Um, thank you. The conductor nodded with a smile that said, As you wish, and stepping onto his platform, he pressed a button three times. Ding, ding, ding. The doors whooshed closed. The girl wiped mist from a window, waved Tata from her seat, and the bus... Hello, said a voice from the opposite end of the bus shelter. Am I in the right place for the bus? That is. At the other end of the bench seat was a smartly dressed lady of what Douglas's mum would have described as of a certain age. She had a wicker basket on top of her knees. Oh, I see. Yes, this is a bus stop, of course. Silly me. There's a timetable, only I didn't recognise it. Ah, perhaps it's been decorated. Not the timetable. The bus shelter stop recently. Hmm. Come to think of it, I had set off for St. Austell, shopping, and, um, here I am. How long have I been here? I'm babbling, aren't I? Douglas nodded. Ding, ding, ding. The lady stood up. Ah, here we are. The white double-decker was at the curbside. Doors open, the conductor waiting on his platform. Douglas walked across the shelter, and the lady took his arm, and a few steps to the bus, and he helped her onto the platform. Such a gent. Thank you, Douglas, said the lady over her shoulder as she made her way to a seat. The conductor invited Douglas onto the bus. Um, no thanks. I'm waiting for the 54 to, um... He went back to his place on the bench and sat. The bus was still there. Douglas jumped. Yikes! Oh, the conductor was standing right in front of him. The chap touched the peak of his cat with a finger. Then he placed a large brown paper sack on the bench next to Douglas. Taking a small card from his top pocket, the bus conductor handed it to Douglas. Property of GBT. In brackets, underneath, when you are ready. It read in smart letters. The conductor tapped the card and gestured at the paper sack. Ah! Ding, ding, ding. Um, good day, mate. What time is the next bus? Standing in the doorway was a small, stocky man in a rumpled uniform that was neither green nor yellow, but somewhere in between. Well, in this light, anyway. Now he thought about it, when did they install lights in the bus shelter? Come to think of it, why are the lights on? Douglas reached for his pocket watch. 
Um, this is a bus stop, right? Looks like a little house. I mean, I've seen one before, in a picture, in a book. I'm not from around here. Australian. Aussie. I was born in Australia. In, um... The chap scratched his head. Anyway, I'm here to get the bus. Right, said Douglas, noticing the fellow's hair was ginger and cropped almost to the scalp. He pointed. Where is your cap? Have you lost it? Nah, mate, replied the Aussie. Left it with me big pack. Don't need it where I'm going. Um, the pack or the hat? Neither. Um, what's in the bag? Douglas patted his satchel, perched on his lap. Um, my flask and my sandwich. No, not your pack. The other one on the seat beside you. Paper sack. Oh, um, the bus conductor left that with me. Hang on. Hmm. Douglas opened his satchel and peered inside. Empty. He rummaged about in all the various compartments and pockets. Empty. No flask. No cheese sandwich. Hmm. He could have sworn. Bother. He hung his satchel on a hook fixed to the wall and opened the paper sack. Douglas pulled out a grey box, roughly the size and shape of a corn beef tin. On one side were two buttons, one green, one red. There was a black leather wrist loop attached to a corner. Also, a tag. Douglas turned over the tag and read the words printed on it. Property of Ghost Bus Tours. In brackets, underneath, to be returned. I thought... G-B-T. Right. What is it? asked the chap in the door, pointing at the grey box. Appears to be a telephone of some sort. The Australian frowned. Who are you calling? Douglas held out the tag for him to read. Ah! Ting, ting. Ting, ting, ting. The end. Under those two words on the page, in brackets... It says, or reads, pause, and then, well, nearly the end. The bus was there, then it wasn't, and neither was the soldier. Although he had an image in his mind of the Aussie snapping to attention and saluting before getting on the bus. Cheers, Douglas. Fair go, mate. The doors whooshed, closed, or would have done if they'd actually made a noise. He looked at his satchel on the hook next to his seat. Don't need it where I'm going. The Aussie's voice echoed in his head. Right. That's when the penny dropped. Douglas bent to pick it up. It was a shiny new penny, except it wasn't new. George the Six. Can you help us, mister? Please? Standing in the shelter was a small crowd of people gathered at the corner. The man who had spoken looked as though he should be out ploughing a field. Behind him stood a lady in black with a white penny. Behind her, a tall chap in evening dress and... There was an old man in a long curtain of a coat. He snatched his hat from his head, revealing a mop of wild white hair. He twisted the cap in his hands. Behind him... A large lady in tweeds, and hiding behind her skirts, a small scruffy urchin. Only, we've seen you helping folks onto the omnibus, you see, proper like, and it don't seem so scary. 
what with you helping and all. Omnibus? Um, are there many of you out there? asked Douglas. Lots, the urchin hooked a thumb over her shoulder. I should say so, old man, said the chap in evening dress. Including a ruddy great dog, the plowman pulled at an ear. Only, I don't think it's a dog. Douglas looked at the grey box, back at the crowd, his thumb over the green button. Lots, you say? Oh yes, they all said. You could be here quite a while. Ah, tinking. In the distance, you could just hear a dog howling. <laughs>